Jude, verse 5. Now I desire to remind you that though you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Okay, so what he does is he takes three different passages of the Old Testament scriptures and he makes reference to them and he makes references to to these large passages of of Old Testament scriptures. Well, particularly in verse 5 and verse 7, these large passages of of scripture in verse 6, it's a little bit shorter passage, but he assumes that they know it because these are Jews and they've, they've very much read uh, what we call the Old Testament, what they call the Tanakh, and uh, uh, particularly the the, uh, the law of, of of Moses. So he 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 assumes they already know this. And in verse five, he says, "Now I desire to remind you that though you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who do not believe. So he saved people out of Egypt." But that didn't make them eternally saved. And, and uh, they were unbelievers. He destroyed the unbelievers, those who did not believe. This is a passage that's reflective of the fact that God will judge sin. God will judge sin. And we read a little bit of this last week, but let's pick it up now in Genesis, the book of Genesis, uh, and we're going to be I'm, I'm sorry, the, the book of uh, uh, Numbers, the book of Numbers, and we're going to be um, reading Numbers chapter, chapter, th- well, let me see where we're going to start here. We'll start reading from verse 25, Numbers chapter 13, verse 25. When they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, and they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. So these were 12 men that were chosen by Moses, one from each tribe, and each one was a leader among the tribe. And, and so these were men in leadership, but they were not old men because you know they were going to have to uh, go and spy out a land for 40 days. Uh, so these were middle-aged men. Uh, we're, we've given, we're given the ages of two of them as being around 40, Joshua and Caleb. But they were leaders. And they went and they spied out the land, and they did bring back fruit according to what Moses had instructed them to do. And so then in verse 27 of Numbers chapter 13, Thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. 
Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea, by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had not gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone, in spying it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people who saw it in it, we saw in it, are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim. The sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. So they came back and they said to Moses, the land is everything that God said it was. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, meaning that it is a very rich and prosperous land. There's rivers, there's streams, and it's a prosperous land. It's not barren, it's not, not a desert like, like much of Egypt was. Uh, they say it's a good land. But... but um, But then what happened is they went from saying it's everything that God said it was to talking about the negative. They made a lot of this stuff up. They said, nevertheless, in verse 28, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. That means uh, uh, descendants of very large people. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev on the south, that is. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country. That's the country around Ephraim and Jerusalem. And the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. So he says that Canaanites are stretching from the Mediterranean Sea all the way to the Jordan on the other side of that land. So the Canaanites are all over. This is a very common thing. When God has called the people to do something, you will always have many naysayers saying it can't be done. If a church wants to branch out and expand and expand a campus, lots of naysayers. If a church wants to have a building program and build facilities so that the next generation of people would come and they'd have better facilities than that first generation has had or or that present generation, you will always have naysayers. Well, we can't afford it. We can't do this. We can't do that. You will always have people saying no. And what he shows us is it's generally a lot of people that are saying no. It's a very easy thing to say no. And this is what he's teaching us here in this portion. And so they give out this negative report of the land. And God ends up being extremely upset with them about this, to give a negative report and try to turn the people away from what God has instructed them to do. Same thing happens when you're thinking about going on the mission field. You will have lots of people saying, well, you know, it's kind of dangerous there. You know, dangerous things could happen. I mean, who knows? I mean, something could happen to you. Yeah, well, something could happen to you anywhere. Should we not send out missionaries? And, and, and uh, uh, this is something that we do. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Caleb was one of the 12 that had gone to spy out the land. He said, we should by all means go up in verse 30. And take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. Now, how does he know for sure that he's going to be able to overcome it, other than the reliance upon God's word? God's word told him, and that was his surety. 
He can't know the future. For all he knows, they're all going to be killed before they get there. For all he knows, they're going to get some virus and the whole, the whole thing. Because he is banking upon God's word. God's word had said it, therefore it has to happen that way. When God's word says it, it has to happen that way. And so he said, he said uh, um, we will surely overcome it. 30, verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So again, they're giving the negative report. They're looking, he says, they're too, well, how do you know they're too strong? How do you know? Did, did you arm wrestle every man there? I mean, how, how do you know they're too strong? So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spouted out. So you see, this is a bad, a false report. This is not a good report. You can give out a bad report. They gave out a bad report. They just spoke of the bad side of it. He said, he gave out a bad report of the land which they had spied out. The land through which we have gone, they said, in spying it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants. I mean, devours its inhabitants. You guys got back alive. Didn't devour you. And all the people who we saw in it are men of great size. Every man is a man. You mean, usually you have different heights of men. Is everyone is a great size? You, you see, this is just totally twisted report. There also we saw the Nephilim. The Nephilim of, of, from Genesis chapter 6. These are where, where the, 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 it says the sons of God intermarried with the daughters of men. And you've got these Nephilim, and these were men of great size. These were men of renown. But we know there were no Nephilim. There were none. When they went into the land, you never see them killing Nephilim. There were no Nephilim. The Nephilim got wiped out in the flood, and that's one of the reasons God brought the flood. It was to wipe out that race of people, that mixed race of people. And, uh, um, and so the Nephilim weren't there, but not only did they give just the bad side, the negative side, they brought in things that just weren't true. The Nephilim, the sons of Anak were part of the Nephilim. No, the sons of Anak were not descendants of the Nephilim. The Nephilim were wiped out in the flood. Anak was just some big men. I mean, you had some big men, but they weren't these, these Nephilim men. They had been wiped out, so they're also lying. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. This is a really important concept. I view myself as a grasshopper, therefore people view me as a grasshopper. We became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. If I view myself as defeated, if I view myself as not being able to conquer this, I will be viewed that way by my opponent. You see what I mean? So you must go in the fight saying, we can do this. This can be done. We can do this. So, turn to chapter 14 of Numbers. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let's appoint a leader and return to Egypt. So I want you to see the progression here. This is exactly what happens when we walk in a defeated manner. 
and we start going into depression. It goes from a little bit bad, just a tiny little bit, to the whole world is bad. Everything is against me. Everything is against me. This is the way our minds work. Remember this. One little thing happens and we can blow it up so that everything on earth is bad. So they say, they, they started crying about this negative report. And they wept all that night. They cried all night. And then they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. So their crying went to grumbling against Moses and Aaron. They grumbled against leadership. And what God is ultimately going to say, he says, you know, when they're grumbling against you, they're grumbling against me. And that's what it's going to get to. And he says that the whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt. It would have been better for us to die in the land of Egypt. Here God saved them through this, this, uh, this land of Egypt. He saved them through this. He brought them out with ten different displays of mighty wonders. Ten plagues, he brought them out. He let them pass through the Red Sea. They saw the entire Egyptian army wiped out in the sea. They saw Before that, they saw the firstborn of every home in Egypt. And not so much as a dog barked in the land of Goshen where they were. He says, then they say, uh, why is the Lord bringing us in this, into this land to fall by the sword? That's verse 3. So you see it went from grumbling against Moses and Aaron to grumbling against the Lord. If you grumble about leadership in the church, you will end up grumbling about the Lord himself. And that's what they did. This, this little thing starts getting blown up and blown up. They're grumbling against the Lord. Then they say, our wives and our little ones will become plunder. You, you see, it's not about me. I'm not worried about me. I'm worried for my wife and my kids. No. You, you're a coward. You're worried about yourself. And you're, you're blaming this on your wife and your children. You say you're worried about them. No, you're worried about your own flesh. You see, they went, they're blown as, for the sake of my wife and my kids. You know, we, 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 can't, we can't go on the mission field. We can't do this. We can't do that. You know, I've I, I got to look out for my family. No, there are things that we step out for the Lord on. So they said to one another, let's appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Let's go back to the life of sin. Let's go back to the land of sin. I have seen people come to the Lord and things don't always go very well in their lives. And rather than taking the word of God and digging into it, they will say, I'm just going to return to the world. But now they're different. Now they have seen the power of God, and now they will return to the, the world, and their lives get absolutely destroyed. Absolutely destroyed. <clears throat> Verse 5 of Numbers chapter 14. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly of the congregation of Israel. Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel. The land which we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. 
But all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. So now it goes to the point where these two men stand up, two of the men that went into the land, just two, Caleb and Joshua. And they, they gave a display of humility. They tore their clothes and they said, the land which we went to is an exceedingly good land. God has given us exceedingly good things he has in store for us. He says, if the Lord's pleased with us, in other words, if we keep seeking the Lord, we will win. We'll get this land. He says, but don't rebel against God and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. The Lord is going to call you to big things in your life. Each of us has an opportunity. And the opportunities get bigger and bigger. And as we walk in those opportunities, we get more chances to walk in them. There were men who, who uh, uh, the master gave them talents or minus. And they were given talents and they were expected to walk in the midst of the amount of the talents that were given them. The man who got, one, uh, got ten talents, he accrued ten talents more. The man who got five talents accrued five talents more. And both of them were invited into the, the place of their master. Both of them. We're all given gifts. And we are to use those gifts. And Jesus said to the one who had the one talent and didn't use it at all, because he said he was afraid, he was afraid of losing it, he called him a wicked man. And he said, why don't you just go and just go, he said, throw him into this place of outer darkness. And he took away even what he had. God calls us to big things in life. He calls us to things. And Jude is using this very example in his book. This is the example of what he's talking about in his book. It's this example of, of uh, 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 this is the example that he refers us to. And he says they, they didn't believe and they were destroyed by the destroyer. So they were destroyed by this destroyer. So if we look, if we look at, at um, the last section in Numbers, uh, verse 36, Numbers um, uh, 14, where we start reading at verse, verse uh, um, 30, Numbers 14, verse 30. God is now speaking his judgment over these people. He says, Surely you shall not come into the land in which I swore to settle you, except Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. Your children, however, whom you said would become a prey, I will bring them in, and they will know the land which you have rejected. But as for you, your corpses will fall in the wilderness. Your sons shall be shepherds for forty years in the wilderness, and they will suffer for your unfaithfulness until your corpses lie in the wilderness. Whenever we go against God's ways, it no, doesn't just affect us, it affects our families. It affects our children. We live as communities. It affects the whole community when we do that. It will affect your children. If you want to walk in unbelief, I assure you that will have a negative effect upon your children, and they will suffer as a result of it. He says, Your sons shall be shepherds for 40 years in the wilderness, and they will suffer for your unfaithfulness until your corpses lie in the wilderness. This is some of the things that he's revealing to us in this book of Jude. He refers to this instance. So I want you to look in, in uh, uh, the Gospel according to John. John chapter 
12. And we're going to start reading at verse 36. John 12, 36. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons of the light. These things Jesus spoke, and he went away, and he hid himself from them. But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing. This was to fill the word of, the word of Isaiah, the prophet, which is spoken. The Lord, has, has, uh, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe. For Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and he has hardened their hearts so that they would not see, and their eyes and perceive with, uh, with their eyes and perceive with their hearts and be converted and I heal them. These things Isaiah said because he saw his glory and he spoke of them. Nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in him, but because of the Pharisees they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the approval of men more than the approval of God. So Jesus had gone and he had done a number of different miracles. He had already raised Lazarus from the dead. And this is now five days before Jesus is to be crucified. He had raised Lazarus from the dead. He had given all of these witnesses. He had healed many people there in Judea and in Jerusalem where he's speaking this. And in verse 36, he says, While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. While you have the light, if you are not a believer, if you're not, not a believer, God opens up and he reveals to you the grace of, his, uh, grace of God through his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. But don't think that you will always have that opportunity to walk in that as you have today. You will not always have that opportunity because the light will begin to get withdrawn. As believers, the application as believers is that we're not going to lose our salvation, but whenever we do not walk according to what God's revelation is, God's light, we start seeing less light and less light. Only as we obey God do we get more opportunities to obey Him more. When we disobey God, it's as if the light starts to retract from us. Because it says, these things Jesus spoke, in verse 36, these things He spoke, and he went away, and he hid himself from them. A very interesting verse. Jesus wasn't just going away. He was actually hiding himself from them. They had rejected the light, and Jesus said, okay, you don't want it. I'm not going to force it on you, but you're not going to see it anymore. I am leaving you. He didn't just go away. He hid himself from them. Verse 37, but though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing. This was to fill, fulfill the word of the prophet Isaiah, which spoke, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe, for Isaiah said again, look at this, for this reason they could not believe, for Isaiah said again. In other words, when God spoke the word, 700 years earlier, through the prophet Isaiah, when God spoke that word, it had to happen that way. Exactly the way God spoke it 700 years before this event, it had to happen that way. God's word is amazing. It is not 
predicting the future. It defines the future. When God says it, the future has now been defined. God's word has just told us what the universe is going to be like. It's not predicting like, oh, this thing is somehow going to happen and God predicts it. He's not predicting the future. He is defining the future for us. It is exactly what God said would happen. For this reason, they could not believe, for Isaiah said again. They could not believe it because Isaiah had said it. Isaiah had already said that these people are not going to believe. And because they are not going to believe, here's what's, what's happened to them. Verse 40, And he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their hearts and be converted and I heal them. Because they rejected the light, boom, they were blinded. Because they rejected the light, they were blinded. This is serious business. God judges sin. This is exactly what Jude is talking about. They were blinded. They were blinded. Because they rejected, they were blinded. It's not that you remain in the same state and you automatically have all the opportunities you've had once before. That's why he says, while it is today, while it's still called today, do not harden your heart. Don't let this day go by if you do not know the Lord. I urge you, do not let this day go by. David said, I made, way, I made haste and I did not delay to keep thy commandments, the psalmist wrote. I made haste and I did not delay to keep thy commandments, Psalm 119, verse 60. We make haste and we do not delay. And so this is what we need to do. He was, they were blinded so they couldn't see. Verse 41, these things Isaiah said because he saw his glory and he spoke of him. Isaiah could say this because he saw God's glory and he spoke of him. Verse 42, listen to this verse, a very important verse here that I want to focus on. Verse 42 in John chapter 12. Nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in him, but because of the Pharisees they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. So many rulers believed on Jesus, but they were afraid to confess it for fear that the Pharisees would put them out of the synagogue. And we might argue and say, well, I understand that. I mean, these guys have high positions, and they'd be thrown out of their high positions. Because, you know, if they start confessing Jesus, the Pharisees have said, had already said, if people, if people substantiate this guy, that uh, they're going to get cast out of the synagogue. And so these people really feared of losing their position. They feared losing their position. It's understandable. Well, is it justifiable? Well, let's see what God says. The next line in verse 43. For they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. When we seek the approval of men over the approval of God, it, right here it is shown the distinction. They loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. I see this all the time among believers in the university. Will you take a stand? There are many believers among the faculty, but they are afraid to speak up because they are afraid for their careers. So they are afraid to speak up. And some will say, well, I'm an assistant professor. Once I get tenure, then I'll speak up. Okay, seven, eight years later, they got tenure. Well, I'm, I'm an associate professor now with tenure, but 
I will be coming up for full professor in six or seven years. Once I come up for full professor in six or seven years, then I'll speak up. The university is full of senior professors that have never spoken up. They've never spoken up because now for 15 years they've never spoken up. And so it's very hard for them to all of a sudden start speaking up because everybody knows them in another context. And you say, well, I understand that they have to watch out for their career. Does God condone that? He writes, the word of God says, because they love the approval of men more than the approval of God. God means business with our lives. I'm telling you, when we speak up, there is tremendous blessing. There's tremendous blessing when we speak up. That's what the Bible is talking about. There's tremendous blessing when we speak up. So, so uh, um, if we look in this same chapter, in John chapter 12, John chapter 12, in the same chapter, this is just a few days, like five or six days before the, the Jesus is going to be crucified. They're all coming into Jerusalem for the Passover, where he's going to, going to be killed. In, in John chapter 12, verse 26, it says, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant will also be. And if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Do we love our jobs, do we love our careers more than we love God? Think about that. Do you love your career? Do you love your career more than you love God? This is what he's putting before us. And he says, there is great blessing. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Well, where was Jesus going? Well, he was about to go to the cross. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. My Father will honor him. My Father will honor him if anyone serves me. This is what he's saying. And uh, you say, well, it, it might cost me my whole career. Well, look what he says in verse 24, just before this verse in 26. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And he who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If you love your life, you're going to lose it. I have students who are believers all the time telling me they're so busy doing their schoolwork, they have not time to get involved in a campus group. They have not time to go to church. When they graduate, they'll start going to church and serving. When you graduate, you're going to have house payments and car payments and, and, and maybe kids and, and a spouse and many other things you have to do. If you delay in this, you'll get in the habit of delaying, always thinking that sometime in the future I will do this. But it's not my words. It's not my words. It's Jesus' words. It's God's words. Because they love the approval of men more than the approval of God. Now let's look in verse 48 of that same chapter. We'll, we'll start reading in verse 47 of that chapter. 46. Verse 46 of John chapter 12. I've come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come into the world. I did not come to, be ju I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. 
The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. The word I spoke is what will judge him. It's an odd thing. It's not the Father who's going to pass judgment. It's not Jesus who's going to pass judgment. It's the word that I spoke. The word that I spoke. Remember what we said? His word defines what's going to take place. It defines what happens in this universe. God's word defines what happens. Jesus said, the word I spoke is what will judge him in the last day. So in the last day, at the great white throne judgment, it's not going to be Jesus having to make that decision. It's already been spoken. spoken. It's done. That word that I spoke is going to be there to make the judgment. The word that I spoke, it will still remain. Jesus said of men's words, he says, he said the word, this is this word that I've given you. He says that, I'm sorry, he said that by your words you shall be justified, by your words you shall be condemned. Whatever a man speaks, he will render account for in the day of judgment. Even man's words, even man's words, we we will be judged for them. So you say, do these words live on? Apparently so. Apparently, every word we speak is recorded. You say, how can, how can that be? That's too much information. It's not too much information, not at all. All the information of humankind can be stored in about two, two liters of water. <clears throat> two liters of water. If you take each water molecule and inscribe upon it one bit of information, two liters of water. You can, all the information that has been in everybody's brain and every word that they've ever said for 5,000 years of human history, of recorded human history, can fit in that volume of space. Everything is recorded. So you talk about the cloud. There's more to it than what we think. This cloud, everything is recorded. And Jesus' words, God's words, remain there and now have defined the future. It's defined the future for us. This is what he says. The word that I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. What Jude is telling us is God will judge. God will judge this world. There will be a judgment. The words that Jesus has spoken, I urge you to put your life as a sacrifice. It is not for your career. It is in service to God. If your life becomes a sacrifice, if your life becomes a sacrifice, It will be a much fuller life, much fuller. You will have opportunities to stand up for the Lord. We will all have opportunities to step into something. You will have an opportunity to knock on a door. You will have an opportunity to speak to somebody about the Lord. You say, well, you know, I don't want to upset them. Go ahead, give all the excuses you want. But remember this verse, because you love the approval of men more than the approval of God. This is what we, were, we are always, always confronted with. Do we love the approval of men more than the approval of God? God has something for us. And what are we going to do? Say, okay, therefore we should cower away and not deal with this thing? Or should we confront it? Do we love the approval of men more than the approval of God? Each one of us has to look at that for ourselves. My biggest regrets in life have never been Speaking up, my biggest regrets in life have been this, the times that I did not speak up. Those are my times of biggest regret. I never regret speaking up 
and proclaiming the gospel and speaking on behalf of the Lord. I've never regretted that. But I can think back to instances 25, 30 years ago where I didn't speak up. Those are my biggest regrets in life when I didn't speak up. All of us have opportunity. And he says, the word that I spoke is going to judge. The word that I spoke, it's already set. The word that I spoke is going to judge. Do we love the approval of men more than the approval of God? And for the unbeliever, you don't know. This may be your last chance. This may be your last chance. This may be your last opportunity to, to have the word of God preached to you. No, none of us know. Give me the opportunity to share with you. Come and see me afterwards. Send me an email. We'll get together. Let me share with you. We'll do it within the next few days and get saved that day. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. You are so good. Blessed be your name. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. I pray these young people would walk in boldness, that they would not cower away like the ten leaders of Israel did, but that they'd be like Joshua and Caleb, to trust your word for what it is, and that they would not love the approval of men more than the approval of God. And Father, that they would fear your word because your word makes things happen. Father, I pray your blessing on these young people, that they would fear you and fear your word, that they would not fear man who can only kill the body, but they would fear God that can kill the man and also send the soul to hell. Father, I pray for the unbelievers, that you would draw them, that they would be saved, and let Jesus be glorified. And in his name I pray. Amen.